0: You may be seated. I've read through this verse and this passage many times, and reading through the, my Bible this year as we read together as a church, I was reading through the book of Exodus and read through here, and uh, I try in my Bible study time not to outline, Okay. Now, if you're a preacher or a teacher here this morning, you know how hard that is. As you read and study through the Bible, reading through it in your personal devotion times, it's hard if you're a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, or maybe just a student of the Word, it's hard not to stop and want to outline something. Have you been there before? And I try not to do that. I try just to keep reading and let the Lord speak to me through His Word uh, and challenge me through the Word. But I was reading through Exodus and... Uh, Man, I got to verse number 20 and I stumped my toe on that. You ever do that? You're reading through something and uh, all of a sudden you hear the Holy Spirit hit that backup beeper, beep, 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 beep. wait a minute, wait a minute, back up a little bit, back up, I I think there's something there you need to see and uh, sure enough in verse number 20 I I backed up and I said, wait a minute, he's given us all of these instructions about the tabernacle in 27, uh, the brazen altar, he begins the chapter with that. He gives us the cord of that, beginning in verse number 9, and finally we get down to verse 20, and he throws in this almost seemingly random verse. He covered the golden lampstand in chapter 25. It seems like this verse is out of place, but I assure you, in the inspired and errant word of God, it's not out of place. It's exactly where God wants it to be, and it's a very interesting passage that you may, may look at as insignificant. Now I know that we all know, look you've been in church long enough, we know the word of God, it's quick and powerful, we know it's inspired and it's inerrant and there's nothing in here, uh, it, it isn't supposed to be in here. Every jot and every tittle is inspired, amen? Every dot above the I and cross on the T is supposed to be in here. And so I began thinking to myself, why did God put that verse in that particular place, verse number 20? He's giving the layout and the furnishings and how it should be built and how it should be managed. He talks about the skins that will be on the outside of it and the goat's hair and all the things that should be dyed to put on the outside of it. Uh, And then here in verse number 20, he gives us a commandment about the oil. And oh, what a beautiful picture there is here in this lampstand. I don't have any time this morning to go into the symbolism of the lampstand, but that lampstand or that menorah that was there in the court uh, inside the tabernacle, it gave light. As a matter of fact, it's, it's the only light that was inside of the tabernacle, and you study how big it was and the pure gold that it was made out of and how it was beaten, the leaves that were built onto it as the olive branches. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing uh, to behold, and you can see recreations online of that, uh, But that lampstand was not just there to give light, okay? It was not just there as something to give light. It was really a symbol of what light is supposed to be. Couldn't we all agree this morning that the Word of God is full of pictures and patterns? That when we read something, there's oftentimes more into it than, uh, than what we're reading there. It's kind of like talking to your spouse, right? Uh, I learned not long after I got married that sometimes she says more than she says, right? And that the trick, you young men that are up here this morning, look, the trick's going to be to figure out what she's saying above what she's saying, okay? Uh, Look, you'll have a peace in your home if you learn what she's saying when she's not saying it, amen? Can we all amen to that, testify to that this morning? Life is so much better when you realize they're saying more than they're saying. Now, the word of God's that way this morning. We read the word of God and we read about the different instruments that were there and the furnishings that were there. And we don't have any time to get into all of that this morning. There was a lot around that lampstand, that menorah that was there. It was not just giving light, it was a symbol of light. I believe this morning, if we'll look here for a few minutes, God was giving us a pattern. God's giving us a pattern. All throughout scripture we see the types Uh, In the Bible. I I love manners and customs in college, getting to study all of those types and patterns that God was showing us something in the Old Testament that was going to be lived out in the New Testament. Our our God is omniscient, He is wise, and He has all of this knowledge to be able to, to patchwork all of that together where it makes a beautiful tapestry as you read the Word of God. But today we can only focus on this lampstand and specifically verse 20, the oil of the lampstand. Now, could we just say this morning, let's take it for granted, that God wanted light inside of that room of the tabernacle. It was very dark. You think about it. It was made of skins and goat's hair. Uh, I mean, I told my class the other day, it probably didn't smell the greatest, you know? It was kind of a, If they made a candle out of that. I bet every man in here would go to Bath and Body Works to buy that candle. It smelled like skins uh, and hair, you know, kind of a manly type of a thing. And it was dark on the inside. And God wanted there to be some light in there so the priests could see about to what they were doing, and he tells them exactly how he wanted this light to work. Now, this is important to understand this morning. God didn't just say, hey, just go over there and build a fire in the middle of that tabernacle, and hey, that will do. God was very specific on what was necessary for the light to do its job. Now, this is important. you got to get this or it's not going to make sense to you this morning. The light was not haphazardly thrown into there. God says, I want light in that room, and in order to have light in that room, I'm going to tell you exactly how I want that light to function. Now, why is that important to us this morning? Well, you look in the New Testament. We won't take our time to turn there, but all throughout the New Testament, we see the same theme carried into the Gospels to where God is associating his people with what? With light. He tells us to let our light so shine before men that it might glorify our Father. Philippians 2 tells us that we shine as lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse world. God has this thing about light. Could we agree with that this morning? All throughout the Old Testament, God wanted light, and God had specific instruction on how that light was to shine. Fast forward to the New Testament. Here we are. God equates the witness of his people to light. And can I tell you something this morning? The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, and the God that had requirements for light in the Old Testament is the same God that has requirements for light in the New. I'm going to show you that this morning, if we could, in this passage of Scripture. You think about what our light is. What is our light this morning? When the Bible says, let our light shine, our light is our witness. That's what it is. Can I tell you why our world is so dark? We complain about why our world is so dark and things are so bad and things are just getting so evil. There's an absence of light. There's an absence of the witness of the people of God. Our witness is, watch this, is what we show outwardly, a reflection of what happened inwardly. It's like the symbol of baptism. Baptism, it's just water. I hate to tell you that. Maybe you snuck up here after the service and you got your little vial of holy water. I can tell you, there ain't nothing holy about it. There are times you can barely see your feet in there. Why? It's city water. It's Hattiesburg city water, okay? There's no telling what's swimming around up in there. Now, look, I hope that doesn't discourage you from getting baptized, okay? All right? Just get baptized by faith. Trust God that no amoeba is going to swim in your ear and eat out what little brains we have left. Amen? Baptism's a symbol of a witness, right? I'm showing you the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm showing you as a witness, as a testimony. Our world has very little witness today. We are not very bright. We do not shine very bright. There's a little boy sitting at a cathedral one day. Mom had taken him over to Europe and they said one of the massive beautiful ornate cathedrals that were there and as he looked on the stained glass windows on the wall he began seeing pictures of people and he asked his mother he says mom who are those people in the glass she says well son those were the saints And she begin pointing out Peter and John and all of those that are there all the saints are on the windows he says so you mean the light shines through the saints She says, yes, I I guess you could put it that way. The light shines through the saints. And I thought to myself, isn't that a picture of what we're supposed to be? The light is supposed to shine through us. The world is supposed to see who our God is and what our God can do through the witness of our testimony that people can see in our lives. And unfortunately, the world is so dark because we are shining so little. We're not very bright. Now, I'm not saying intellectually, okay? Don't leave here saying the preacher called it stupid. No, I'm just saying we're not very bright when it comes to this matter of our witness. And I think our problem is we're not letting the light shine. We're not letting our light shine. Now, this morning, I want you to notice what he says in verse 20. And I'll get into the message. And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. Verse number 20, God gives specific instruction on how his people are to get the light ready to shine. Now, our theme this year at our church, if you're visiting with us, is ready. We want to be people that are ready to meet the Lord and ready to be used of the Lord. And that's what we're working toward as a church this year. Can I tell you why I don't think we shine as we should? I don't think we're ready to shine. He told them in verse 20, these are the things you have to do in order to get that light ready to shine. This isn't just any light. This is the light within the tabernacle. This is the light that the priest would see by. And I want you to get it right. I want you to get it ready to shine. And this morning, that's what we're going to preach on for a few minutes being ready to shine. Can I ask you that today? Are you ready to shine? Now, God wants to use our witness to influence the entire world. We just finished our missions conference, and our goal is that we're going to have a greater opportunity to influence the world through our witness and our giving at Central Baptist Church. But here's my question. Are you ready to shine? There's some things that God wants us to know, three things, as a matter of fact. In verse 20, I want to give you rather quickly, but I think they're important enough to spend a little bit of time on this morning, on this thought of being ready to shine. Let's look at it if we could. I want you to notice a very critical step right at the beginning of verse 20. The Bible says, and thou shalt command the children of Israel. Now, before we try to weasel out of this, here's what we do. We say, well, you know, that witnessing thing, that's not just, that's not who I am. You know, some of you might be introverted and that's why you get your groceries delivered from Walmart. You don't even like to see people. You don't even want to talk to the lady at the checkout counter and it's convenient that they just deliver your groceries to your door. You say, I just don't like talking to people. That's not who I am. I've even heard it spiritualized. I don't have that spiritual gift. That's a good one. Good try. Good try. Can I tell you, before we try to weasel out of it this morning, I want you to notice God wasn't asking them. God did not ask them to get the light ready. Hey, would you mind, or if you feel like, or if you get time? Notice what he says in verse 20. And thou shalt command the children of Israel. It's important we see, number one, the command of light. He gave them a command. God says, I want light in that room. And God says, here's what you need to do in order to prepare the light. But first thing you need to understand that it's a command from God. Now, here's what's important. The priest had their jobs that they would do that only they could do. The priest would go inside the holy place and the holy of holies, such a sacred place. They had their duties that were specific to them. But I want you to notice something. And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring the pure olive oil beaten for the light. You know what he's showing us there? He's giving us a beautiful picture. That the people of God always have a priority of light. You can't say, that's just the preacher's job. That's just the pastor's job. That's just the missionary's job. That's just the Sunday school teacher's job. He says, no, the priests have their job. The uh, The high priest has his job. But it's up to the people to bring the oil in order that there be light. Now this morning, God wants us to understand we have a personal responsibility to the light. The people had an opportunity to go and to bring the pure olive oil. We will look at that here in just a moment. Keeping this light shining wasn't a request. It was a command. Now, how often do we as New Testament Christians today look at this thing of being a witness as a request? That I will get around to it when I can. I will get around to it as opportunities presents itself. Can I tell you witnessing to someone is more than just giving out a gospel track? We witness every time we open up our mouth. We witness every time we go through a checkout line. We witness every time we interact with another human being. At all times, we as the people of God should be letting our light shine. Here's our problem though. We don't realize this is a command. What does the Bible tell us, Matthew 5, 16? Let your light so shine before men. Let your light shine. That means, watch this, there's something on the inside of you that wants to get outside of you, and the reason it's not getting on the outside of you is because you're not letting it. All right, did you hear what he said? Let your light shine. That means allow it. You remember when you first got saved? Maybe it was yesterday, maybe it was 10 years ago, maybe it was 50 years ago. You remember when you first got saved? You wanted other people to know. You, you got something good and you wanted to share it with them. You know you know how you know it's spiritual? You know, you get chocolate, you don't want to share chocolate. <laughs> right? Right? You find a good honey hole to fish in, you're not telling a soul. Look, man, people are serious about their, their fishing holes around here. You saw a big buck on your camera, people are going to ask you, hey, you seen any deer lately? And you're going to lie to their face. Nope. Why? You don't want to share that kind of stuff. Those were carnal. But man, when you got saved, you got something good. You got the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. You experienced the grace of God, and you wanted to share it. That's how you know it was spiritual, because you as a Baptist wanted to share it. Now, folks, hear me out this morning. There's something on the inside of you that not only wants to get out, it needs to get out. You know our problem? We don't let it out. What's a little song we sing as kids? This little light of mine, I'm not going to sing it for you. Don't panic. You're thinking, oh dear, he's about to sing. No, I'm not going to sing. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Don't tell me you haven't been in the checkout at Walmart and and seen that cashier there. And man, she's had a tough day. And man, she seems down and out. And you want to encourage her a little bit. Something says, why don't don't you give her a gospel track and invite her to church? Oh, I can't do that. But you wanted to, didn't you? That's why, see, you have a responsibility from Almighty God to let the light out. He says, I want you to command the children of Israel to be a part of this. They have a priority and bringing the oil to keep the light going. Ephesians 5 for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light. In the Lord walk as children of light. The Bible says we walk in the light now. The Bible says that we're the light of the world. That is who we are. That's part of our spiritual DNA. Here's the problem the reason the world is so dark is because we're not letting our witness out. I told you this during missions conference. We complain about the darkness, but look, the darkness is at the mercy of light. Darkness does not move in until light moves out. And why has the light moved out? I'll tell you why, because we think that's the preacher's job. You go be the witness. You go tell people about Jesus, hey, we'll pay you. Boy, I've heard that one. That's what we pay you to do. Wait a minute now. It didn't say preachers let your light shine. Sunday school teachers let your light shine. He's talking to his people who have a responsibility and a command from Almighty God that you have a part in keeping the light burning. What did Tom Beaudet used to say? Motel 6? Some of you are like, what? Some of you have never stayed at the Motel 6 and it shows. I don't even know if you're a Christian if you had not stayed at the motel six. We got some men going down to Mexico right after church today on a missions trip. We are getting ready to book the room, Brother A.J., and we booked the best Western executive private gold label in. I'm thinking, we should have stayed at a motel six. Why? Because I don't know if it's real ministry if you're not in a roach motel every once in a while. Tom <laughs> Baudet used to say, we'll leave the light on for you. It might be flickering and covered in bugs and all of that and spray painted with graffiti, but they're going to leave it on for you. I'll tell you something, the world could learn a lesson from Motel 6. We're not leaving our light on for them. Our world sits in darkness tonight. And then we have the audacity as the people of God to sit by and complain about the darkness. Listen, we have no right to complain about the darkness because we have been given the command to keep the light burning. The problem is the people of God aren't bringing the oil. Watch what he says, verse 20. And thou shalt command the children of Israel, not the priest." The priest will handle it when it gets there. Thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive oil beaten for light to cause the lamp to burn always. I love the word cause there. Hey, you have a part in this cause. Every child of God, every young person whose name's the name of Christ and has trusted Christ as their Savior, you have a part in this cause. You know what it is? It's to keep the light burning. Light's going out in America because God's people refuse to be the witness that God's called us to be. You think about it today, the numbers don't add up with everybody who says they're a born-again child of God with the darkness that's in our country. Something's not lining up. If we, <laughs> I don't do this, but if we simply went by bumper stickers, because <laughs> you're super spiritual, you got a bumper sticker, Right? you got a Christian t-shirt, super Christian, right? Get you one of them bracelets, you're like off the charts walking on water. But something's not adding up. Something's not adding up. That everybody who names the name of Christ, if we all did our part to keep the light burning, this country, listen, we'd have to wear sunglasses, it'd be so bright. Something's not adding up. You know what our problem is? We don't heed the command of the light. God did not request us to be light. God did not invite us to be light. He says, ye are. Do you know this morning, you are what God says you are. We got everybody in the world today, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, all right? I'm just going to try to tell you the truth in a kind, compassionate way, but I still got to tell you the truth, right? We have people who identify as this and identify as that, and people who claim to be this. I hear now that you can identify to be a pet. I have honestly heard that. That kids are identifying what's called furries today, where you can be a furry, a real thing. But it doesn't matter what you identify yourself as this morning. Can I tell you, as a child of God, God identifies you as light. That's who you are. Ye are the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. The problem is this morning, we're not doing what God has called us to do. First Peter 2, 9, the Bible says we are a royal priesthood, peculiar people. But I want you to listen to what it says. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now I want you to hear two words in that verse. Two words. Show forth. Show forth. Do you know what we're really good at? We are really good at speaking forth. And we're really good, I'm saying me because I know myself too. We're really good at singing forth. Man, our choir was practicing up here yesterday. Oh, my goodness. They're singing a song this Easter. I want to tell you, even you not spiritual people are going to have a hard time not smiling during that song. Our kids are going to join them in and sing that song. I want to tell you, I don't have a whole lot of hair left up here, but what I do have left up here was standing up. Cross my arms. Man, I love good singing. But can I tell you what matters more? It's not speaking it. It's not singing it. It's showing it. It says that we would show forth the praise at some point as the people of God, what's on the inside and what we sing about and what we tell about has got to come out on the outside and the witness of how we live our life. Sooner or later, our light has got to shine. By the way, it doesn't have to stay a little light of ours either. Someone once said this, we are told to let our light shine. If it does, we won't need to tell anybody that it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining. They just shine. Think about that. Lighthouses don't sound the cannon. Hey, we're fixing to turn the lights on. No, you can just tell. Why? Because it's shining. Matter of fact, it might help you if you quit shouting about it and quit singing about it and started showing about it every once in a while that people could see that what happened on the inside was enough to change what's on the outside. Didn't that happen to the woman at the well? Man, something happened on the inside, changed her on the outside. That happened to the old demoniac, who ran naked through the tombs, and yet he's sitting clothed in his right mind. And the Bible says the people were afraid. The change was scary. I think the change ought to be scary in us, amen? Now, before I give you the second point, the second one gets shorter, and the third one gets even shorter than that, amen? The first one's always the longest one. The Bible says, thou shalt command the children of Israel. That's a plural word. That means the group of the people that were there. I want you to think about this. It would be impossible for one or two people to produce enough oil to keep that burning. It's impossible. Right? That thing's going to burn all the time. What did it say at the end of verse uh, verse number 20? To burn always. One or two people couldn't do that. More people are going to have to contribute to keep the light on. More people got to step up. Look, uh, if the light start, hey, the light's starting to go out in America. Do you know why? We got some folks that are trying. We got some folks that are keeping their light going. The problem is we're sitting on our oil. That's our problem. We as the people of God, we don't have time for that. We don't want our kids to be outcast. Oh, we can't have them to be shunned from the group. By the way, they shouldn't be in the group in the first place. The Bible says come out from among them and be ye separate. They should have never been in the group to begin with. By the way, how can you lead them out of the group if you're still in it? If you're going to lead someone, you've got to get out from that group. You can't lead from behind. You've got to get out front. And oh, that's when your light starts to shine. The problem is, too many of us this morning are depending upon somebody else to do it. You take your oil. I'll get my oil there later. If you'll notice, out on the highway here in front of our church, we've got these new lights going. Have you noticed that? Call the mayor and thank him. All right? I talked to the mayor the other day, and we, Brother Bado and I were out visiting. I had some time to spare and went by the coffee shop, ran into the mayor and talked to him. And he said, where you at? I said, I'm right at Central Baptist church. Oh, yeah, I know where you are, lad. And Very kind, very cordial. And I appreciated his time that he took with us while we were there. And he said, hey, we're getting some new lights put out there for y'all, out there in front of your church. And I thought to myself, how kind did that just for us? I mean, I just, we have a great government here in Hasbury. I appreciate that. I really do. I really do. But if you notice something, those lights are spread out ever so far. Stick with me, okay? They put this light here, but that light can only shine so far. So also they said, wait a minute, it's starting to get dark over here. We need to put another light right there. And they put another light right there, and that light shines so far. Now, wait a minute, it's getting dark over here. Let's put another one right there. And after a while, all of those lights working together light up that whole highway. I'm looking forward to it, amen? Now hear me out, hear me out. Do you know if every child of God would just get in their place and shine the way they were called to shine, we wouldn't have as much darkness around this country? If we just said, you know what, there's a dark spot there, rather than curse at it and complain about it, I'm going to go stand in that place, I'm going to let my light shine, and after a while, this world ain't so dark anymore. Why? Because we heed the command. What was the command? That the children, plural, not just one or two, that they bring the pure olive oil beaten For the light to cause the lamp to burn always. I think about our missions program. i got to hurry, but man, I think about our missions program. Man, I, I can't pastor at Central Baptist Church and shine my light here and also fly back and forth to Africa every week. Thank God for missionaries who are like, hey, I'll go light that area of the world. And, and you got some, we had some South Korea this week, Germany this week, Guam this week. We got missionaries coming all year. They're going to go shine there. But folks, it's kind of disingenuous for us to send them, but not send ourselves to where God's called us. Why? Number one, God's given us a command of light. I'm going to hurry. Number two, look down at verse 20. Now shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee. Now watch this. This is what threw me for a loop right here. The pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. I stubbed my toe on that part right there in the middle where it says, pure olive oil beaten. Now think about it. I mean, light's light, right? I mean, whether it's a flashlight or a match, it gives off light. But no, God says, I have some specific, a specific way I want things. Number two, in order to be ready to shine, they need to understand the criteria of light. Watch this. He says there's criteria for the light. God says, I want light in that room. And here's the criteria. I want it pure olive oil beaten for the light. Very interesting study. We don't have time to get into it all today. You know, all olive oil is not the same. My wife gets this olive oil from this place over in uh, near Bellevue on Highway 98 West. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, cook with it a lot, my wife does all of that, but I found it interesting walking in there, all the olive oils that were there, and it's quite expensive as well, you know, get the little bottles, they're cheaper than the big bottles, and uh, the other day, she had this uh, buttered, uh, buttered flavored olive oil, so I made some popcorn, and I thought, hmm, that would be delicious, so I poured my cousin Willie's popcorn in the bag, my favorite popcorn, best popcorn in the world, cousin Willie's butter explosion, write that down, you'll go home with something today. And I took her butter-flavored olive oil. And look, I like it heavy. I tossed it around a little bit. My wife comes in there and almost strokes out. How much did you just put on there? She's like, that's like five bucks worth of olive oil you just put on that popcorn that is there. Now, I don't think their, their olive oil here was, was butter-flavored, to be totally honest with you. But if you'll do a little study into this, you'll find it's not all the same. Notice the Bible says, pure olive oil, beaten. Beaten. I thought to myself, you know, I've heard of a lot of olive oil in the Bible. I've read about olive oil. I've read about the press, Gethsemane, the press, and olive press. There's two types of olive oil, or two ways to get olive oil. The first is through a press. That's where you take all of those olives, and you put them in a great big old basket, and you put them in a press, and you press them down, and the weight begins to push all of that olive oil out of those olives that were there. But then there's another way to get olive oil, and it is the most valuable olive oil, is what is mentioned in verse 20. When it is beaten, there is a difference. Beaten olive oil is when you take the olives and you put them in a mortar, and you have that pestle that is there, and you don't crush them. You don't crush them and squish them beyond recognition, you bruise them. You bruise them. And then you take them and you put them in a basket. that is is porous, and the olives begin to bleed and bleed out the purest of all of the olive oils. And it collects in a container underneath. Now, we don't have time today. I think you see a beautiful picture of Christ there. He was not crushed. He was bruised. And out from him flowed something pure, the blood of a lamb without spot or blemish. I would love to stop and preach on that for a minute, but that's not part of the message. Maybe we can preach it tonight. Amen? We'll see. But that pure olive oil required a lot more work. Now, why would God say, I want beaten olive oil, I want pure olive oil? Well, here's the answer. The pure of the oil, the pure of the burn. The pure of the oil, the pure of the burn. Now, think about this. What was the tabernacle? The tabernacle was a tent. It was made of skins of animals and fur of animals woven together and the curtains were made out of goat's hair and dyed badger skins and all of these things that were there. Can you imagine taking impure olive oil into there and lighting that on the menorah? What do you think would happen? It'd be like a smoke screen in there after a while. God says, no, I want pure oil because I want pure light. Now, why is that important for us today? We as the people of God, I'm afraid we've gotten away from this thought of having a pure witness. That We don't realize that our lives need to be pure and our lives need to be lived according to the will and the word of God and righteousness and true holiness. Why? Because that pure oil gives that pure witness and that pure light. And yet we live in a world today where as a Christian you can live however you want to live. Correct? As long as you love Jesus, everything's all right. You got that bumper sticker? You're good. Not so, says the Lord. The Bible tells us, James 1, pure religion and undefiable for God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. God says that pure witness is going to come from that pure life. And yet, can I tell you what a lot of our witnesses are doing? They're sending up a lot of smoke. You see the impurities of pressed olive oil, it has impurities in it, and those impurities begin to burn, and they give off smoke. Man, you imagine the poor priest having impure olive oil in there? He'd come running out. You know, maybe when your wife burns something, like the kitchen's on fire, and you go running for your life. (laughs) That's how the priest would have been. No, God says, I want pure oil to have pure light. Why? Because he wants his people to have a pure witness this morning. I believe this with all of my heart. You're either going to be a lighthouse or you're going to send up smoke signals. You're either going to be a Christian lighthouse that sends out light, that warns the world of where the rocks are at and guides them into the safe harbor of our Savior, or you're going to send up smoke signals that confuse people of who you really are. Several years ago, we were in St. Augustine, Florida, I think I have a picture of a lighthouse we were at. We loved going to St. Augustine, went there on our honeymoon and lived there not far from there as a kid. That is, uh, I believe, the oldest lighthouse in Florida, maybe in the United States, in St. Augustine, Florida. Uh, It's about 165 uh, feet tall, 219 steps to the top. I did not know the air got thin at 165. Because by the time I got to the top of those stairs, I could hardly breathe. So evidently, the air gets thin up there at 165 feet. Some of you will figure that out on the way home. As we went up, I I have a few more pictures to show you. As we went up, I began taking pictures. There's the stairwell. I got in my steps for three years just climbing that lighthouse. There's no elevator. Keep going, guys. I think we have another picture there. Uh, There's a picture, if you will. There's the light right there. I took a picture of it. And you can see the lens that is around the light there in that lighthouse. And, oh, it was an important location because that light was guiding sailors. There's a harbor there. There's a bay there, Mantanzas Bay, right there at St. Augustine, Florida. And they were guiding them into safe harbor. What I took notice of was how clean that lens was. It had to stay clean. Why? Because those sailors at, what does the song say? Out on life's sea were needing that old lighthouse that was on the hill to have a clean, pure window. Why? Because it was giving witness to them of the direction they needed to go. Now, folks, you and I have to look at ourselves tonight or this morning as a lighthouse. It's important that you and I live unspotted from the world. Listen, we're not better than anybody. It's only by the grace of God that we are who we are. But as a child of God, watch, i got to keep my life clean. Why? Because there's people depending upon me to find their way. You're either setting up smoke signals because your olive oil is dirty and your life is dirty, or you're a light that's shining, giving light to all that are in the room and glorifying your Father. Folks, notice, if you will, there's a criteria for light that is here. Ephesians 5.15, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Walking circumspectly means, hey, don't live haphazardly. The direction you're going in your life matters. Why? Because somebody's watching your witness. Mom and dad, could I encourage you this morning, please walk circumspectly. We're going to watch that or listen to that or go there. Or be there. It's not that big a deal. Oh, I promise you, those little memory machines called children are taking note of the steps you take. And one day you're going to wonder why they went off into the smoke. Because that's where you let them. That's where you let them. Walk circumspectly, not as fools. Oftentimes I get asked the question as a pastor, and I don't mind it, I appreciate you asking. Uh, if you really want to know, they'll ask me, is this right or wrong? Could we be honest today, Sunday morning, all right? If there's any day of the week you're going to be honest, be honest on Sunday, especially in church, okay? Bad things happen if you don't. You get a flat tire on the way home, you're like, yep, I shouldn't have lied in church. People will say, is this right or wrong? A lot of the times we're asking right or wrong because we're trying to find a reason to do what we know is wrong. Maybe you're not as carnal as I am, but I will i said this before, oftentimes the only scriptures we learn are the ones to defend the things we want to do that we know that God has said in our heart are wrong. That's why we memorize certain scriptures. Oh, man, we've got them down pat. I told you the number one verse in the world right now is judge not, that you be not judged. Why don't people learn that verse? Why? Because they want to get out of what they're doing that they know you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Can I give you something better this morning you ought to ask, not right or wrong? Here's the question you ought to ask. Light or smoke? Is what I'm about to do, is it going to give light or is it going to send up smoke? God says that I want my lights that burn, I want them to have what? Pure olive oil. Now, here's the neat thing. When you look at how they made that pure olive oil, it was so much harder and so much more work to produce pure olive oil. Because the old ones, you just poured in a basket, you just squished them down, and you got all that olive oil out. But to get that pure beaten oil, you put it in a mortar, and you took that pestle, and you bruised it, and you bruised it. You couldn't crush it, though, and then you let it bleed and that's where you got that from. Do you know our witness is the same way? You're going to have to work harder to have a pure witness. You can't live haphazardly. I'm just going to throw it all together and hope it all figures out and get some oil. No, no, God says, I want pure oil for my light. Why? That's the cause that he has commanded that we be a part of. Romans 12, 2, you don't have to turn there, I think we could all quote it. Be not conformed to the world, right? Be not conformed, but be ye what? transformed by the renewing of our mind and doesn't it go on to say that in all of that we prove something we prove something that is a witness you can't prove a whole lot of anything if your life is not transformed that means separated it's different the bible says that we're the salt of the earth Salt of the world. We know that this morning, as salt, where does salt lose its savor? Salt loses its savor when it has the impurities inside that rob it of that. The Bible says if a salt loses its savor, it is good for nothing. Now, I'm not mean mean to you this morning. I'm not saying you're good for nothing, okay? I know what you're already thinking. Man, he has insulted me five times. I'm never coming back to this church. All right, that's okay. But I want you to know when you leave here today, you're going to know the truth. That if we don't keep our lives clean of the impurities that are there and that all constantly bombard us, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lose your savor. That's your power. That is your witness. The Bible says it's cast out and trodden under the feet of men. I read a manners and customs story years ago about how the temple steps, there was marble there. In the morning when it would do, those steps would be quite slippery. And you know what they would do? They would take that leftover salt that had lost its savor and they would throw it out on the slippery steps Watch to keep people from slipping. Now you think about that. This morning you can let God use you and your witness and your testimony. Or you can decide, you know what, I'm not going to have pure oil. I'm not going to keep my life clean. You're going to be that salt that loses its savor and the only good thing that could ever come out of your life is to keep somebody else from slipping. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. Folks, I want God to use my witness this morning, but God has a criteria for light. He told Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Well, we sing this with our kids. But be an example of the believers in word, in conversation. And doesn't it go on to say something at the very end about purity? Purity. Number two, there's a criteria of light. God says, I want pure olive oil beaten for the light. Finally, look at this, and I'll, I'll let you go. The Bible says, to cause the lamp to burn always. I want you to notice one more thing God wanted them to know about being ready to shine. He said, I want you to know it's a command. Look, in order to be ready, you have to understand this is a command. Number two, I have a criteria for the light. And then finally, he says, I want it to shine always. Always. You see, it wasn't good enough for the people to say, you know what? Here's a little bit of olive oil. I've done my part. Now I can go on and live my life. No, he says, I want that lamp to burn continually. Number three, how do we get ready to shine? Notice the commitment to the light. There's a commitment to the light. The light would be maintained and the light would burn through the people's commitment to keep bringing that pure olive oil that had been beaten for the light. You know, we wonder why churches aren't the witness they used to. We do. Why aren't churches what they used to be? And we'll talk about the good old days. And why Can I tell you, it may not be the church. It could be the fact that the church quit bringing the oil. Man, I just don't know why things aren't the way they used to and why God's not blessing and God's not working. And man, the world just seems to be going to hell in a heartbeat. Could it be this morning you haven't brought your oil? You say, well, I gave my oil five years ago. No, that light has to burn continually. That means the people of God have to be committed to be the light that he's called us to be. Folks, I want to tell you something this morning. If we're not committed to being the witness, we have no right to complain. We say it all the time. If you don't vote, you have no right to complain. Can I tell you, your witness is your Christian vote. Then if you're not voting with your witness, you have no right to complain about the darkness. Why don't you decide, I'm going to be just committed to my witness as I am to my job. say, well, my job's important. Well, your witness is too. Your witness is eternal. Somebody is going to spend eternity in heaven or hell as a direct result, watch this, of your witness and whether you choose to be a witness or not. He say, well, they chose to reject God. Yes, they did. But, oh, you could have given them another chance. You could have been the witness in front of them at work or at school. You could have been the witness to them at Dollar General. I was telling our class today, we have our week of service coming up. And um, we have the new tracks that are made. Here they are. The new purple tracks that are made up for that. And I said, somebody needs to go and witness to the Dollar General people. Because they get picked on all the time. You will be mean to those people instead you ought to go through and say hey i'm from central Baptist church i want you to know we appreciate you we appreciate what you're doing i want you to know i'm going to pray for you today there's an opportunity there but here's the problem we're not committed to that we're only committed to be a witness we're inside these four walls several years ago i'll close with this I went to my great-grandmother's house she's in heaven now and she had what was called a touch lamp Do you remember those For a kid, that's an amazing thing. It was amazing. You touch it and it came on. I mean, the technology we have in this world is just beyond, we can go to Mars and we have lamps that come on when you touch them. And so me and my brother, I'd go in and I'd touch it on the way in, he'd touch it on the way out. I'd turn it on, he'd turn it off. And whether or not that light shined really just depended upon who it was near at the moment. I turn it on, he turn it off. I turn it on, he turn it off. We go back. And after a while, you're scrapping to turn it on, turn it on, turn it on, turn it on. And I thought this morning on the way to church, I said, you know, a lot of us are like those touch lamps. Whether we're on or off, just depends on who touched us last. We'll Spend a little time in the world, our light's off. We go spend some time. Hey, we're in church right now. And unfortunately, this is about as bright as we shine. This is it. This is it. We're going to walk out these doors, the world's going to put its hands on us, lights off. We're not committed to our witness this morning. I believe God left us here for a reason. If we could boil it down to one simple word, God left us here to shine. He left us here to shine. He left us here to be a witness. He left us here to reflect the light of our Savior. Here's our problem, we're just not committed to it. That everything I say... You know, the Bible says we're going to have an account for every idle word, every word that I say. Am I being, watch this, light or smoke? Is what I'm about to say going to be lighter smoke? Is the place that I'm about to go light or smoke? Is, is what I'm about to do so impure, it's not giving off light, it's giving off smoke because those impurities are burning. Could I beg you this morning, why don't you be committed to be a light? You New know up begins? begins with command, number one. There's a command. He says, command the children of Israel. Number two, there's a criteria. He wants pure oil. And finally, in order to be ready to shine, we've got to be committed. We've got to be committed. Can I ask you, are you ready this morning? He says to shine. Are you ready to shine? Are you heeding the command? Are you meeting the criteria? And finally, have you made the commitment that God's going to use my life as a testimony of what he did for me? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together this morning.